0: part of our approach is going to be to go back and reevaluate how we prepare our personnel for working in the street and looking to see what can we add to the training to maybe help them keep out of those situations in the first place
1: enchanted sky media media
0: the Enchanted Sky Studios in Prescott, Arizona, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategies, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about.
1: Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. There was a time when you were universally viewed as friends of the community. You were welcome to tragic scenes because people realized that you were there to help them. Sadly, that doesn't seem to matter anymore. Violent physical attacks on EMS personnel are becoming more common, with new incidents being reported just about every day. So now we have to think about how to prevent those assaults. In Austin, Texas, they're taking steps toward doing that. Here to explain more is Ernesto Rodriguez. He's the EMS chief for Austin-Travis County EMS. Welcome to Code 3.
0: Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking time and giving me an opportunity to talk a little bit about assaults on medics.
1: Well, you know, it's a shame we have to do this show at all because this didn't even used to be an issue in the first place.
0: Yeah, that's right. I I don't have any numbers per se, uh, but the feeling that I have in talking to colleagues around the U.S. is that, that the incidence of assaults on medics is actually increasing.
1: So one of the things your agency has done is to compile survey results from your personnel. First of all, why did you have that survey?
0: I had actually uh, attended a conference and had a conversation with several of, of my uh, colleagues who are chiefs and directors of, of services, and, and we talked about how we all had this feeling that uh, the, the number of assaults on our personnel is increasing. And uh, it was a concern that, that I had. I I came back with that concern Thinking I needed to know more about what's happening in, in my own agency and looking to see if, if we had a, a large problem, was it bigger than, than what's been recorded by, by research out there, or is it the same, or, or what, what does it look like? So I came back and I, I had a conversation with our, our safety commander, and he suggested that we start off by doing a survey just to kind of catch up with our people. And so that kind of led to the survey, we worked on on the survey to develop it together along with some other folks. And we got it out to our folks and we had a a large number, almost 50% of our staff responded.
1: Now, what did the survey ask?
0: Oh, it asked an assortment of questions. It asked things like, have you been assaulted while working in EMS in general? It also asked, uh, have you been assaulted while working in EMS at this agency, specifically within the last two years? And uh, we had a, a pretty large response. Over sixty percent of our field personnel said that they had been assaulted in the past two years, and about eighty percent of our communication personnel said they had been verbally assaulted in the same time period. Did those results surprise you? Not really. The research that I did prior to to launching our our own survey showed that EMS generally has about a sixty to sixty one percent rate. Of assaults on EMS personnel, so I was. My guess was that we would be somewhere in that ballpark, and we came in at 63%. And the la- latest research I found said it was 61. So we're really, really close to that.
1: Do medics now feel like these kind of assaults are pretty much unavoidable? You know, we asked them that very
0: question. We wanted to know what their their thoughts were, and we were we were thinking about when we crafted that question. Uh, about what, what's our culture like? What's the culture of EMS like? And we asked the question if they thought that assaults were just part of the job. And a huge number uh, actually responded saying, yes, they, they believe that. And it was, it was more than half of the respondents said that they believe that being assaulted while doing your job in EMS is just part of the job. And that also was true of our uh, communication staff. They said they also feel like, being verbally assaulted while they're answering calls is just part of the job. That was a that that's been part of our, our I think one of the biggest and most surprising findings that we had.
1: You know, I'll say it, I think that's really sad that they should have that feeling. I seem to have read somewhere that you believed that many results had never been reported in the first place. Is that true?
0: Yes, that that is true. And and when we looked at, at our system and started trying to mine some of our own data to find out what do we know just from the data alone, Uh, we found that we had very few reports, actually, of assaults. And what we found is that when we did have reports of assaults, it was usually because there was an actual injury that occurred, and the medic was actually reporting the injury, not the assault. And so, our conclusion was that we believed that the number of assaults is actually greater than we're finding, probably across the industry, and it has to do with lack of specific reporting mechanisms for assaults.
1: Is the problem more patients who become violent or onlookers who insert themselves into the situation?
0: So, what we found in in our survey is we asked them uh, when the assaults were occurring most commonly, and about 90% of the assaults that we're experiencing are ha- happening when the medic is alone in the back of the ambulance.
1: Wow, I had no idea it was that clear cut. Yeah,
0: and so uh, we, we didn't either until so we asked that question. And at first, when we were putting that question in the survey, we thought, well, that's kind of a silly question, isn't it? And, and then we thought, well, maybe not. Maybe there's the whole reason for doing this is to learning what we don't know. And what we found out is, is that, that little fact. When it comes to field providers, those assaults are happening in the back of the ambulance when they're by themselves. So it is the patient. They are becoming aggressive for different reasons. And, and that's the, how we can isolate that. So that's the environment that we have to work in.
1: I'll be back with more right after this. Don't miss your chance to get your hands on the hottest logo wear around. Code 3 podcast gear makes you look good and tells the world you're a fan. Now you can wear the Code 3 logo proudly. Just go to our website, Code3Podcast.com. Click the banner and you'll be able to order an assortment of cool apparel and accessories. And thanks for supporting the podcast that supports firefighters. All right. So now you know roughly how often assaults occur on your EMS personnel. How do these results help you form the next steps you're going to take?
0: So what we're doing, we, we went back and we kind of looked at what do we already do? And, and then we asked the question, and, and what's missing? So what we found that, that we do is we, we do teach about assaults during our initial training when when employees are first hired. We also provide training for them on situational awareness and avoiding assaults and some some defense uh, maneuvers that they can use to get out of trouble if, if they were to find themselves in, in that situation. And we also found that the we, we don't really do any cultural or attitudinal type of training about assaults. We, we never just talk about them. We talk about the actions related to them. And so part of our approach is going to be to go back and reevaluate how we prepare our personnel for working in the street and looking to see what can we add to the training to maybe help them keep out of those situations in the first place. We're also going to work with our communication systems to gather and make sure that we gather the information that we should be providing them before they even get on scene. We already provide some protective gear, and we already do some staging, uh, which we allow the medics to use their discretion on. But we still have pretty significant number of
1: assaults. I would assume the, the younger or the newer medics, probably don't take that training as seriously as they should. Would you say that's fair?
0: I think they take what we teach them seriously. I think there's some gaps in what we're teaching them. For example, I think medics sometimes get confused about when is it safe for me to step back and when does stepping back become abandonment, for example. And I think we need to be more clear about that. And I think we need to involve our our, our physician medical director in that conversation so that our medics un- can understand that they have the backing of the physician when they're doing things to keep themselves safe and understand what to do in that sequence of, of events. We also think what we need to learn a little bit more is about the human nature of aggression, and you know how do you spot it? What are the signs that, that you might spot in one of your, your patients that will give you a clue that the individual may become Uh, aggressive and may change the way that you approach. And I think we also need to practice some things like planning a good escape plan, having a good escape plan, and working that out with your partner anytime that you think you might run into an aggressive situation. It is your plan for pulling over quickly and making yourself safe and, and yet providing protection for the patient at the same time.
1: Do you know, based on your survey, whether these are patients who are combative because of the medical condition or they're just angry people who are violent?
0: So we uh, we we came up with a list of as many different conditions that we thought could lead to aggressive behavior, and we asked the medics to select as many as as they thought would apply to their situations when they were assaulted And based on that, we found several things. One is that assaults seem to happen more often when a person may have a mental health issue. They may happen most often when a patient may have ingested alcohol or be impaired in some some way. And the third element that was cited by the medics is when the uh, patient has been through a, a traumatic situation that's difficult for them to deal with. So those, are, those things kind of came to the top three of the, of the potential causes that the, the medics were saying, you know, if, if I had to look at something that may have led to my assault, these are what I think are the causes.
1: So with all this in mind, is it realistic to say that these sort of attacks can be prevented, or is it more a case of they can only be prevented a certain amount of the time?
0: Well, I think that more of these can be prevented. One of the—and uh, I, and I can't remember the the uh, the site for it, but one of the uh, research studies that I found as I was reading about assaults on, on medics— said that uh, many of the medics who have been assaulted and surveyed say that their particular assault would have been preventable. And then when they were asked what, who they thought could be the person that would prevent it, they, they said themselves. And so that's kind of an insight from somebody else's research that tells me that at least some medics believe that if, if maybe they're better prepared or more aware that they can avoid becoming involved in an assault. And so we're, we're going to look at that as, as part of our approach. And the thing for me, Scott, is that I think we're not alone in this. One of the reasons that we've, we've shared our survey results with as many people as possible is kind of a, an awareness campaign. We believe that what we discovered in our organization is true in many other organizations and all of us together need to look at all the different approaches uh, about how we're trying to deal with this. And we need to have a forum to share these things. So doing things like this, like talking to you and, and podcasting out the information is important because it increases awareness. And, and I, I believe that as an industry, we can we can improve on this all of us together.
1: All right. I'm glad we could help. Ernesto Rodriguez, thanks for being on Code 3 with me today.
0: Scott, thank you. appreciate it.
1: And we put more information on preventing attacks on EMS personnel on our website at code3podcast.com slash attacks. Check it out. And this is where I remind you that you can support this podcast by making a monthly pledge. If you get something out of this show... Please help keep Code 3 going. Whether it's a dollar a month or more, it all counts. Head over to Code3Podcast.com to join the people who've already thrown their support behind the show. Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. This time we discussed how one agency is working toward finding ways to prevent attacks on its EMS crews. I'd like to hear what you think might help. Is your department doing anything along these lines yet? Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com or leave a voicemail at 562-337-9902. I'll read your comments and play them back on a future show. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll be here. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe.
0: Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.